And with the spirit that we find ourselves standing together, let us lift our voices as we sing, Love Lifted Me. The words are found in your bulletin. Please join us as we sing. This morning we have such a wonderful opportunity and privilege, and that's to share in the baptism of Parker Elizabeth Wright. Daniel and Abby come, along with Marianne and Emma Kate, maybe, to come and share in this very special time. If you'll turn to page three to work through that, some of you remember uh, running down the hall and turning on the light down there and then running back this way and turning off this light and then running for the next light switch down the hall before you got to your room because you were afraid of the dark. How many of you still, just a little bit, come on, are a little afraid of the dark? Yeah, okay. Yeah. There are like a couple of honest people out there. <laughs> and how about though when you, when you uh, go to bed at night did, were you ever one of those who like 10 feet away from your bed, you launched just so you could 
get to the bed because who knows what's under there. You do that still? Yeah. Two steps from the door and then you launch for it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, we've hit a cord over here, I think. That's right. I think everybody's done that. Mary Evelyn has been babysitting her tennis coach's uh, grandchildren for the summer. And when it's nap time, she says that little five-year-old, he can cover 20 feet in the air, you know, just lays out, headed for that bed. Who knows what's under there, you know. They even wrote a little book uh, that we used to read for Benjamin and Catherine uh, and Mary Evelyn, There's a Nightmare in My Closet. Do you remember that one, any of you? Yeah. Because who knows? Who knows? But we're, we're afraid of the dark. There was a teacher that asked her uh, students one day, she says, well, which is more important, the sun or the moon? One little boy raised his hand. He says, it's the moon because it shines at night when it's dark, you know. <laughs> but then I guess suppose maybe once you begin to get over that fear of the dark, all of us have something of that fear of getting caught, you know, always afraid you, you did something wrong you're afraid you're going to get caught there's something at school afraid you're going to get caught I was coming home from Natchez yesterday uh, from Kay's sister service but on the way home you know I was watching around those curves to see if there was one of them coming because you know, well okay I don't drive exactly the speed limit okay <laughs> But as I, as I made my way here, oh, all of a sudden, here comes one behind another car. Now, that's cheating. But coming up at me behind another car, and I, uh, so I did the thing that all of us do. What do you do? You take your foot off the accelerator. You, um, <laughs> you be cool, you know, <laughs> be cool, and check the rearview mirror. No blue lights. Whew. Made it one more time. We're, all of us are afraid of getting caught. And even if you're not speeding, you know, you come, you come up here after church. You're going to come up here and there'll be one of them sitting out here in the boulevard just waiting for you, you know, and you're going to slow down. You're going to be cool. You're going to look in the rearview mirror. There was, a, there was a letter that came to a local church treasurer about a man that said, uh, we've received a notice from this fellow that he has given $9,600 to your church in the last year. We just want to verify that that's the case. The church treasurer wrote back and says, well, I don't have my records for last year with me today, but I can guarantee you that if he didn't give it last year, he's about to. All of us are a little afraid of getting caught, aren't we? I once saw, uh, some folks feel that way about airplanes. Any of you a little afraid of flying? I, I used to work with some of the Air Force pilots up in uh, Columbus when I served the first church up there. Visited one of them one day. He had a mug up on his shelf that says, flying is the second greatest thrill known to man. Landing is the first, which is really true, I think. Some folks are that way about boats. Maybe you've had an experience like John Wesley, out on a lake, out uh, in the ocean even. Terrible storm comes up, tossing the boat back and forth. As John Wesley was making his way to America to serve the Georgia colony established by General Oglethorpe, he made his way during this storm and the mainsail ripped in two, 
Waves were piling in over the top of the boat. They all thought they were drowned. The English people were just panicking and screaming. But then John Wesley heard the German Moravian Christians singing. And he was amazed at their courage, even in the midst of such a terrible event. It seemed that it was going to be disaster, but yet they sang their hymns of faith. He went to one of them and he said, aren't you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. Aren't you women and children afraid? No, they're not afraid. They're not even afraid unto death because they knew some of what Simon Peter knew. What are you afraid of? My greatest fear used to be snakes. Now it is that something might happen to one of my children. Oftentimes our prayers are prompted by our fears. And like Simon Peter, when something terrible happens or when the wind and the waves are beating against our little boat, we say that same prayer that he said, Lord, save me. Lord, alter this natural scheme of things and deliver me. I'm so scared. The wind and the waves are crashing around me. Some folks ask, why was Simon Peter so afraid? He was a fisherman. And fishermen of that day were accustomed to the sea. That may be true. But I don't think they were accustomed to walking on the sea. Hmm. How afraid are you? What are you afraid of? There's a lesson in this passage for us. Simon Peter knows this lesson, and we should know it too, that the presence of Jesus brings peace and serenity and calm into every situation. There was a, there was a gentleman named Francis from, actually France, I think it was, St. Francis from France. And uh, he told a story of seeing a young, uh, young woman who had gone to the village well and she got her pail out full, brimming, full to the brim with water so that it was sloshing a little bit, you know. And if she weren't careful, she would lose most of the water that she had in the pail. But he said he saw something unique. She had taken a piece of wood and put it in the top so that it was floating on the water. He asked about that, and she says, oh, well, that's to keep the water steady. It helps to keep it uh, still so that as I carry the pail home, I won't spill as much. Well, St. Francis says, you know, that's so true of the cross. If you take the, the cross and you put it in the middle of your life, even in its stresses and disasters and catastrophes and calamities, when the wind and the waves are beating on your little boat, put the cross in the middle of your life because Jesus brings peace and serenity and calm. We should know this. But the thing is, we're afraid too. Just like Simon Peter. The faith of even the most loyal can sink in the face of fear. Moses had told his people about a promised land, and they were starting to make their journey. And when they got to a spot where they might get a little preview of what lie ahead of them, they sent out some spies into the promised land. And they came back with mixed reports. Joshua and Caleb came back, and they said, 
said, oh, it's a beautiful land. It's, you know, land of milk and honey. God, just great clusters, huge sorts of things. You just wouldn't believe how beautiful this land is. You're going to love it. But then 10 others came back. And they said, oh, well, yeah, it's a pretty place, all right. But there's giants over there. There are giants over there. The wind and the waves began to beat against their little boat. And because of their poor choice to listen to the ten, they got to wander for 40 years, relearning the lesson that when God's mercy and grace and love work their way into the midst of where you are, it brings peace and serenity and calm. The thing to remember about this passage is that Simon Peter never finally failed. He went to that point in his ministry, you know, where he was operating so impetuously. You know, he pulled out his sword and slices off the slave's ear. He's ready to jump in first, first onto the water, you know, as Jesus says to him, come. Sometimes he jumps in without counting the cost. Sometimes we do that too, and we get in over our heads, right? But when the wind and the waves are beating, we need to remember that we never finally fail with Jesus. You know the story of Simon Peter. When in his last opportunities to profess his faith in Christ, he denies him three times. But did he finally fail in that? No. Jesus comes to breakfast in Galilee, and he asks him, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He asks him again, and he asks him a third time, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I know what you're trying to do. Three times you asked me. Three times I say yes, even after I denied you three times. Even in that moment, Jesus was stretching out his hand just as he had to lift Simon Peter up out of the angry waves far from the peaceful shore. Do you remember what happened April the 14th of 1912? the Titanic. In about two hours, the greatest ship known to humanity at that point was going down. And people were panicked. Not enough lifeboats. Not enough people in the lifeboats that they managed to launch away from the Titanic. And people knew that the water was icy cold. And so they panicked. But some remained calm. Some remained calm because even facing certain death, they reached for the outstretched hand of Jesus. Do you remember what they say the band played? Nearer my God to thee. What are you afraid of? What are the waves and the wind that are crashing in on top of your little boat? 
the reason we come to the table is because we're afraid and because we see the outstretched hand of Jesus offered to us right here. Today you're invited to come to this table and realize that he can overcome your fear and that his hand is reached out to you to offer grace and mercy and love. If you'd turn to page number 12 in your hymnal, excuse me, page 13, we'll continue as we give thanks to God and share in this time of table together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. As we share in our loaf, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And as we give thanks over the cup, 
Is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? As those who are assisting come forward this morning, let me say that this is a wide open table. It's not a St. Matthew's table. It's not a Methodist table. It's not, a, it's not even a table for those who only profess Christ. If you would receive the gift of grace, the outstretched hand of Jesus, as we share in this time of communion, then you're invited to come and receive.
This morning we close with a, a hymn that actually was a gift of the civil rights movement. Uh, and you know, here in Mississippi, we've been kind of remembering the summer of 1964, Freedom Summer. Uh, and um, some of us are repenting. Some of us are saying we're thankful that a dream has come about in so many ways. But I want to invite you to kind of take We Shall Overcome out of that context and sing it uh, in a way that says, you know, I know that as Jesus reaches out to me, we can overcome the fears that we face in each and every day. And as he, uh, as he does that, we shall overcome. So we're going to sing the first, second, and the fourth stanzas of 533. Won't take us too long. If God is calling you to, to surrender your fears, to take a bolder step in faith, then make that commitment as we sing. If you feel invited, and you are, but are ready to make a commitment to be a part of the St. Matthew's congregation, we invite you to come forward as we sing this together. Let God work in you, and you make your commitment with him. Let's stand and sing. It's 533.